Welcome to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast, a podcast about getting out from behind the keyboard and just talking. Each week, we invite a guest or two to sit down and talk about their life and their work. I'm Christopher Brown, your host, and this is the Cross-Border Interview Podcast featuring Canadian singer-songwriter James Cohen. Uh, but James, I want to thank you very much. Do you mind if I call you James during the interview? Not at all. I saw you calling me Mr. Cohen and I was like, that's very formal. So no, please. James, well, I great. always formal first time. And then after that's always James. Okay. Well, James, um, my first question I usually ask every musician that I have on the show is, uh, where did your sense for music come from? Where'd my interest in music come from? Sorry, your, your sense of your sense of music, your interest in music, your you know passion what? for your music. I think I'm going to credit my parents and my older brother. Uh, I do distinctly remember my brother playing some albums uh, when I was a kid, and I definitely remember hearing "Smoke on the Water" by Deep Purple and just thinking, "Wow, that sounds so cool." <laughs> You know, jumping around playing air guitar, I was probably like six or seven years old. And, uh, you know, my parents always took us to uh, ballet, symphony, you know, various events. And I think it just became ingrained. And then uh, when I was 11 years old, my mom and dad basically said, we've signed you up for guitar lessons. And it wasn't something that I was particularly looking to do, but I sort of said, okay. And like most kids, the first few months it was kind of like pulling teeth I didn't really want to practice do I really have to go and then I just gradually started to really enjoy it and uh, later on in high school you know just formed a garage band at school and played some talent shows and then getting up on stage that first time you know just the the nervous excitement and the energy and I mean I'm sure we were terrible but we thought we were great at the time and you know just that feeling of being up on stage and performing it was just intoxicating and uh it kind of went from there so where did it go from there so in 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 high school uh, like every musician i've talked to it seems that they've tried to start a band uh was this yeah. the prairie root rockers or is, did no, this come no, later no no, no, no. that's <laughs> much much later no this is uh, decades before the prairie roots rockers it was uh we we called ourselves the bluesberry jam and we were uh, a garage band of uh wannabe rockers and uh again i i don't think i have any recordings from those days unfortunately but uh you know we were probably uh not quite as good as we thought we were but uh, we had fun with it and then i of course you know did the thing that uh, a lot of us do. I went to university and got a degree in uh, political science, but I had continued to play guitar and attempt to write songs. And I thought, you know what, I don't want to give up on this. So I, uh, I uh, auditioned for the uh, Guitar Institute of Technology down in Hollywood, California, wow. and, you know, sent in an application form and you had to uh, send in a tape at the time of uh you know what i could do on the guitar and stuff so i sent it in and uh fortunately got accepted and i spent uh, two and a half years in los angeles which really were life-changing as far as the music was concerned and i i made some great friends down there who i still keep in touch with and uh, one of them really introduced me to the craft of songwriting and uh i found out pretty quick upon arriving in Hollywood that, uh, you know, I thought I was a pretty good guitar player. 
And, uh, you know, I was just blown away. This was in the uh, late 1980s when it was sort of the the, uh, pop slash heavy metal movement. And, uh, you know, you just had literally thousands of fantastic guitar players like, you know, in the mold of Eddie Van Halen, Steve Vai, Yngwie Malmsteen, and it was just like, oh my God, this is kind of depressing how good everybody is. So <laughs> I, I kind of uh, thought, okay, you know what, I'm going to concentrate on songwriting. So that's what I did, and you know, I got my uh, degree there, and uh, then I moved back to Canada and started working, and uh, never gave up on you know writing songs and continued to get better. Uh, you know, my guitar playing, of course improved tremendously spending the two years down there playing you know six to eight hours a day and uh you know it took many many years and uh not giving up and in my 40s i uh got a recording contract with what became the prairie roots rockers and uh we released our album in 2011 and we had one song that got a reasonable amount of airplay across canada and uh charted so that was a dream come true for me and i had long since given up on you know having a record uh, label put out an album by me but uh i persisted and you know i'm kind of proud of myself for that because you know along the way your friends mean well and i think they mean well but you know <laughs> I, I heard from i heard from some people like wow james you're still trying to do this aren't you getting kind of old for this and you know it hurt a bit to hear that maybe they were right but i i didn't give up and uh so part of the reward was, uh, you know, having a song get some radio airplay, and uh, then another song uh, that I think you heard, "These Long Nights," got uh, placed in a movie that went uh, straight to DVD. It didn't play in the theaters, but still, it was kind of cool to uh, have a song of mine in a song in a sound in a soundtrack for a movie. And uh, yeah, so just continuing to. Uh, to play and uh you know once the uh current situation subsides hoping to get back and perform we do have a uh a gig scheduled uh, for next year originally it was supposed to be this summer uh playing one of my original songs with the winnipeg symphony orchestra which is another dream come true i oh wow could have never imagined that so uh hopefully uh in 2021 we'll be playing at the centennial concert hall here in winnipeg with uh, the full WSO, which is a real honor and, uh, you know, can't wait. Wow. Well, there is a lot to unpack with what you just said. So we will jump into the parts that I want to try and unpack here. Your writing style. Um, how, how, how is your writing style? I find it so fascinating when people talk about how they come up with music, how they come up with melodies. What is your style? Is it music first or melody first, then lyrics, or how does that work? Typically, it's music. Uh, I'll be fooling around on the guitar and I'll play a chord progression or, you know, a a little riff and I'll think, okay, that's kind of cool. And I'll make a note of it, you know, record it with my phone or write down the chords on a piece of paper. And then I just kind of keep at it. And I don't know, somehow some phrases will pop into my mind. And uh, if they're good, I'll write them down. And uh, that's kind of how it's happened for me. I don't know how it happens for everybody else, but uh, typically it's the music first and just, you know, 
ideas, thoughts will come into my head and uh, it goes from there. Now, are those thoughts and ideas that are coming to your head, are they personal thoughts? Or, because do, do you try to convey your, uh, your music into personal stories? Or is it something that you might have heard from someone passing by or your friend? Yeah. So how does it work? You know what? It's both, uh, Chris. Uh, some definitely are more personal. Um, you know, a feeling maybe when I wrote a particular song, I was feeling lonely or down. Uh, then other ones are pure fantasy. It's nothing to do with me. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a thought that comes out and I'm kind of writing it as a bystander. Um, one song though, that, uh, definitely I can, can say is personal. It's, uh, it was off our album and it's one of the ones we play live and, uh, it's actually one of my favorites. It's called not too old to rock and roll. And that definitely comes from you know, being told you're too old. And so it's kind of a tongue in cheek jab back at the people who uh, told me that. And it's a lot of fun playing it live. It's kind of more of a country rock influence. But uh, so there's an example of one that I definitely wrote from my personal standpoint. And uh, the song that got a fair amount of airplay is called So Long Sweet Deception. That's more about somebody uh, realizing that their partner slash lover was deceiving them and they're saying so long that one definitely was not written from any personal experience that just that phrase popped into my head one night and i thought wow that's kind of a cool line so long my sweet deception and the song came out of that but not from anything i experienced thankfully (laughs) that's good um but let's talk about so long sweet deception here um you said it did it did get farewell uh some fair uh good uh radio airplay what was it like hearing that song on the radio for the first time and tuning on the radio station and hearing it? Was it was it sort of serendipitous saying, yes, I've made it? Or was it, holy crap, they're playing my song? <laughs> uh, I would say it was the latter. Um, to be honest, it took me a while to get used to it because um, when it was released, it was uh, remastered and uh, for top 40 commercial rock radio they did sort of uh, add a few effects here and there to the song as uh, I guess is done now. So the song actually sounded quite a bit different, the radio edit version to the version on the album. Uh, it was a little more, uh, I'd say if this is a word popified, it was, a, it was a little yeah. less harder edged. And at first I was like, Oh my God, what have they done to the song? So it took me a while to get used to it. So the first few times I heard it, I was kind of like, okay, this is kind of cool. It's on the radio, but it's not exactly sounding like I thought it would sound because it had been changed quite a bit. But I kind of uh, learned after that uh, with a few of the other singles that were released that uh, that's, I guess that's what the uh, so-called experts do. They they take the song and uh, they kind of mold it a little bit to... Uh, to appeal to commercial rock radio and, you know, shorten it a little bit here, maybe cut the guitar soul a little bit here. And, uh, you know, it's kind of packaged into a three minute song. And it must be challenging because like you said, it the, the songs are your child, right? They are yeah. something that you, you've brought to birth and you've uh, grown them. And then for someone else to take it and sort of re-edit it into a way that you weren't expecting, it must've been hard. Yeah, well, it was kind of funny because I played it for my bandmates, and uh, 
Lloyd Peterson, the other uh, guitar player in the band, said, what song is this? <laughs> like, he looked at me like, what is this? And I said, that's us. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. We had a good laugh about it. But... So did you know that they were doing this beforehand? Uh, well, I knew that they were going to remaster it and uh, mm. kind of reconfigure it a bit. So, But, but not I didn't to realize... the extent that they did? Yeah. Yeah. No. No, definitely not. Now and... I'm used to it. And I think because I'm you know, the, the writer of the song, maybe I was a little more uh, critical of it than others because I played, you know, lots of people heard the uh, radio edit version and really liked it. So they were like, no, James, this sounds great. It, you know, I just thought it sounded a little less hard edged than the original version. But, you know, it it charted for 16 weeks and uh, was in the top 50 in Canadian rock. So I can't what? complain. When you were playing it at concerts and venues, were you finding that people were engaging in a more uh, unusual way that they had actually heard the song on the radio, that they were like singing along to it? Or was it a little bit more, this isn't the song that I was, uh, I anticipated because I heard it on the radio and it wasn't, it didn't sound this way. Well, I'll tell you something, Chris, it's uh, not quite that glamorous when we were touring back uh, after the album was released. I mean, we went through some, small towns and cities and i mean we were playing everything from clubs with uh you know less than 10 people who hadn't heard the song to uh, some places with you know maybe a couple hundred people and after the show some people would say oh yeah i've heard that song on the radio and in fact a funny story uh i think it was in it was in uh kamloops british columbia we checked into the uh, hotel and there was a young lady at the uh, check-in counter so i i gave her my name and she could tell we were a band and she said uh oh i heard your song she goes i can't believe i'm checking in james cohen and i just laughed it was so my bandmates had a good chuckle at it so yeah we had you know we had some uh feedback from people who had heard the song and then you know in a lot of cases as other bands will tell you when they're touring uh their first album you know you're playing some small clubs with uh, a smattering of people but you know you're professional about it so whether there's uh five people or 500 people you play the same way and that's what we did and uh i think safe to say whoever was there enjoyed themselves and you must enjoy playing like no matter what size the venue right whether it be just for yourself or your band or for yep. five people or for 200 or 2000 people exactly. it, it's the same it's you the audience reaction is the main thing yep. that you're looking for right for sure i mean look it's way more fun playing before a larger group than uh, 10 people and you know a smattering of applause and uh, you can hear the glasses clinking <laughs> it's but yeah, I mean, it's it's an honor to be able to play music for people. And uh, as I said, you know, we all the guys in my band are uh, top notch professionals and uh, they've all been through it, too. I mean, some of the guys have played in other very notable bands and uh, they've said the same thing. You know, we've played before everything from two people to uh, thousands of people and you give the same performance. Because you never know who's in the audience. Even if there's three or four people, there might be, uh, you know, a talent scout from somewhere who really likes what he hears or he or she hears and uh, could lead somewhere else. So you just, you know, always give your best effort. 
no matter where you are. Now, the song These Long Nights, this is a song mm-hmm. that you were talking about a little bit beforehand about right. that it was on a movie album, which not a lot of artists can say that they've made it, even if it is, like you said, straight to DVD, it was on a, a movie album. Yep. Were you were you shocked when you got the call that they wanted to use this song for the Gone Gone Tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, I remember I was actually... It was in early 2016, and I was down in Bermuda uh, visiting my mom, who spends some time down there in the winters. And uh, I got up and, uh, you know, turned on my phone, and there was an email saying, James, uh, would you mind if we use your song for a movie? And I was like, what? So, yeah, it was a really very pleasant surprise. And uh, I've, I've watched the movie, uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's sort of in the background in one scene, but because I know the song, I definitely picked it out right away. And yeah, in the closing credits, it's kind of nice to see uh, the song title and the band getting credit for it. So yeah, very cool. And you know, I'd hope, I hope uh, we can do it again, but it's such a competitive field as you can imagine. Um, I, I am uh, linked up with a publishing company who uh, I signed an agreement with a few years ago. So every so often I get a pitch, like, you know, there's a movie or a, tv show or a commercial looking for this type of song so if i think any of my songs fit the bill i submit it but needless to say there's probably hundreds if not thousands of artists applying for all these things so you know it's highly highly competitive like everything and the first time I heard these long nights, I, I became an instant fan. And I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt, but I, yeah. I did become an instant fan when I heard that song. And oh, I, 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 I am in, impressed about how like your music is so uh, tasteful, and you don't get that that often, right? It's so relevant, even though it is. Uh, like a different type of genre that I'm usually listening to. It is so what I'm looking for when I'm trying to either uh, work around the house, whether I'm going for a long car drive, it is something that I can listen to. So where did the idea for these long nights come from? Oh boy. That's, that's a long time ago. I'm going to have to mine my memory bank for that one. I, I do remember kind of fooling around with the chords um, on my acoustic guitar in my former home here in Winnipeg. And, uh, I just kind of, again, it was, it was an evening. And, uh, I just remember the, the chords in the chorus are sort of an A minor to E minor. So for those musicians out there, those are two kind of sad, melancholy sounding chords played together and it just kind of flowed. And, uh, I, you know, it's a hazy memory, but I kind of just remember looking out the window and it was dark and it was kind of like, lonely long nights these long nights and i just started singing these long nights over the chords and then you know the first line i've been thinking and i've been drinking for too long it seems just kind of popped in my head and uh, again thankfully i enjoy a drink but i i've never had a drinking problem to my knowledge so you know again that's not a personal thing but it i know a lot of people can kind of relate to that if they're lonely you know i've been thinking about things probably had a few too many drinks and it just leads to you know the imagery in the song these long nights missing somebody so it's just you know ideas that come together and then uh pairing them with uh melody and chords and notes and uh before you know it you have a song and i I think it might have touched me a little bit more because when i heard it 
we are going through this unprecedented time where we're not mm-hmm. able to connect so well with a lot of people. Right. So when I heard it, I was able to think I was I, I wanted to connect with people again. I wanted to be the quote unquote normal a- yeah. atmosphere of being able to fly anywhere or drive anywhere without having to put a mask on. So I think it connects yes. with a lot of people in this time. And I, I hope my listeners go and find it and listen to it because it is such a, a moving song. Oh, I, that's very kind. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, like everybody, I'm just, uh, you know, here we are in, uh, latter part of July. I'm just praying that, uh, there isn't a second wave and that we all have to do the same thing all over again in the winter because, uh, you know, one of the, the nice things, if I can call it that is that, uh, even though there are restrictions, I mean, we're in the middle of summer here in Canada and that's uh, generally beautiful weather, but I just, you know, hope we don't have to do this all over again going into uh, November, December. (laughs) Then it is going to be these long nights and cold nights. (laughs) Well, I was saying to someone else this week and I I told them that it feels like winter hasn't ended because everyone's still stuck in their house and they're not able to go out and enjoy themselves. So if this lasts any longer, I think people are, are going to start going a little stir crazy. Yeah. So about that, what what's next on uh, James's uh, radar for 2020, 2021? You talked about a little bit about how you were going to be performing Knock on Wood if everything goes yep. to plan with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. So how did that come about and what else is on the radar? Well, that came about uh, as a result of uh, I was approached back in 2016, uh, like a lot of large arts and culture groups, the symphony has a gala evening every year and uh, I was approached to see if my band would be interested in playing as the entertainment for the uh, WSO gala at the uh, beautiful Winnipeg Convention Center the RBC Winnipeg Convention Center so again you know it kind of came out of the blue and uh, I I leapt at the opportunity so we played in front of about four or five hundred individuals there and it went over really well people loved us so we were asked again the next year and same thing went over really well and uh at the time we had the uh maestro alexander micklethwaite the uh he was the musical director of the symphony at that time he's now in oklahoma city but he played with us on a couple songs and he was so excited i mean here's a guy who had conducted all over the world he's from germany he's conducted you know all through europe North one America. of the most well-known uh, or uh, conductors, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and he was so excited. He had never played in a band, and uh, he, you know, he, uh, musicians like him, they basically only read sheet music. So I used to be reasonable at reading music, but typically I play by ear, you know, now, thank God for YouTube. If I have to learn a song, I'll go to YouTube and uh, (laughs) there's instructional videos for pretty well every song out there. So at our first rehearsal, uh, he had requested the sheet music for, uh, you know, one of the songs we were playing, one of my originals. So um, Bruce Jacobs, who plays in my band, he's a bass guitarist, extraordinaire, played with Streetheart, the Rankin family, Powder Blues band, like some fantastic uh, groups in the past he wrote out the sheet music for alexander and uh he literally had not seen it until the rehearsal so he took the sheet of music put it on his piano and just played it perfectly one time through it was just like unbelievable so that's 
you know, the difference between uh, playing with an orchestra and playing with uh, musicians who tend to you know, play by ear, we, most of the guys in my band can do both. I'm more of a play by ear kind of person. So uh, he couldn't, like he really, he only reads sheet music. So it was, it was kind of interesting just to see that dynamic with, you know, a world-class musician, classical musician, who isn't trained by ear they you know read music so it was it was just kind of interesting so that's sort of how the the link with the symphony started uh, four years ago and uh, of course we're hoping next summer the concert's been rescheduled to perform with them between now and then uh, i've got a couple songs that i'd like to record as soon as that's possible i was in touch with my band uh last week you know just saying when uh, time permits we'll have to uh, get together and rehearse and uh, record a couple new songs and then the whole process starts of uh, once they're mixed and mastered uh, you know getting them heard and that's a whole other story now correct me if i'm wrong is there an ep in the future here then that's kind of what i'm thinking uh you know as far as a full-length album not not really i i think you know the album unfortunately there's so few people buying well cds basically I, I think the last time i bought a cd is i don't know six years ago uh, it's all digital now very few people are buying hard copies so i think just you know digital releases maybe an ep and you know print a very small number but most likely digital well um now you got the sympathy symphony you got your two songs yeah how are you how else are you staying uh entertained in some sense or are you keeping busy during this covid 19 are you in just your own personal studio a little bit more uh just trying to create those songs still or or do you do 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 you work better in the the group setting with your uh, band well one thing the uh pandemic has taught me is i am kind of lazy when it comes to certain things so unless i think unless uh, I, all of canadian all of canada has realized that <laughs> yeah. unless unless i have a deadline uh it's very easy for me to say oh you know i'll pick up the guitar tomorrow and do some practicing so i honestly i haven't been playing that much i'm i'm trying to sort of pick it up once a week and just you know play for an hour or two just to keep the fingers nimble and practice some singing but uh i'd be lying if i said i've been holed up in my home studio playing every day because you know we're very lucky here in manitoba we have beautiful summer so i have been enjoying you know being able to uh safely do things outside um, i'm pretty active physically so uh you know doing a lot of uh running biking swimming a little bit of golf tennis i play summer hockey which is a whole other story it's uh, socially distance hockey, so it's four on four with only four extras on the bench for two 20-minute periods. So needless to say, I am absolutely wiped by the end of it, but it's good exercise. And uh, so I'm keeping busy doing other stuff. But once the weather turns a little cooler, I know I'll hibernate back into my uh, home studio and attempt to start some new material and uh, getting back with my band and everything, hopefully. And potentially 2021 when restrictions are lifted, do we yeah. anticipate a uh, tour in James's future I, here? You know I, I would love to if, you know, if more stations start picking up these long nights and if there's some interest, absolutely. I'd love to do that because it's been a while since we did that. It'd be a lot of fun to uh, 
get out to other parts of Canada and play in front of people again. And I think, you know, everybody's looking forward to those days when you can go see a performer and uh, hopefully some sense of normalcy returns. And uh, I think we're all hoping for that. Well, if you're ever in northern Alberta, <laughs> look yeah. us up because we have we'll many, many venues up here that need to have people in it. So we are yes. always looking for uh, musicians to come through our, uh, well, the town that I, 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 I work, I live in Calgary, but I work for, uh, for a municipality up in northern Alberta called Slave Lake. And yep. we're always looking for musicians to come. So I, I guarantee you, your fan base, your your music would do extremely well up in Slave Lake. So for my Slave Lake listeners who are still on, and still listening <laughs> go look at james cohen because honestly his music is fantastic wow thanks so much really no appreciate it. thank you once again for listening to the cross-border interview podcast if you love this episode of the cross-border interview podcast head over to itunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe rate us and leave us a review all the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes or visit www.crossborderinterviews.ca the cross-border interview podcast was produced and edited by miranda brown and associates incorporated be sure to tune in for our next episode of the cross-border interview podcast once again thank you Bye-bye.